Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, one fact on which I think we can all agree is that life is full of storms, storms of every variety. But it's also true that in the midst of those storms, it's Jesus who helps us to anchor deep and hold on. That is actually the title of today's message, which is based on the story of Jesus calming the storm in Mark 4, 35 through 41. And it begins with a tale about a houseboat and a hurricane. Well, I'm gonna be honest here. In the story we just shared of Jesus and the disciples in the midst of that storm on the Galilean Sea, I totally get why the disciples panicked and lashed out at Jesus. Because you see, so often in the midst of a storm like that, you simply don't know what else to do. At the beginning of of one of my favorite books of his, Six Hours, One Friday, Max Lucado tells the story of how, as a young man, he lived for a time with some friends on a rustic and somewhat leaky houseboat on the Miami River in South Florida. It was an experience he described as part adventure and part bargain. However, and this is usually the way these things go, right? Labor Day weekend in 1979 provided far more adventure than he would have ever bargained for because that was the weekend that all of Florida was watching and waiting as Hurricane David was whirling through the Caribbean headed right towards the Florida coastline. And as you can imagine, Lucado was trying to figure out what he was going to do. I had owned the boat for only three monthly payments, he said. And now I was about to have to sacrifice her to the hurricane. I was desperate, he wrote. Tire down was the only thing that I could think of. And so Lucado and his boatmates went out and they bought enough rope, in his words, to tie up the Queen Mary. And they proceeded to tie up their houseboat to trees, to moorings to anything they could find that seemed somewhat solid. By the time they were finished, he said, their little craft looked like she'd been caught up in a spider's web. But then, Lucado wrote, just when I was reaching the end of my rope in more ways than one, Phil showed up. Now, Phil knew boats. He even looked boat-wise. He spoke the lingo. He knew the knots, yes, but he also knew hurricanes. Word on the river had it that he had ridden one hurricane out for three days in a 10-foot sailboat. And I can tell you what, even as a mere lake sailor, that's something impressive. And it made him out, Lucado said, to be pretty much something of a living legend. Well, Phil felt sorry for these kids. So he took it upon himself to come and give them some advice. And it was, he said, sailor sound. Tired to land and you'll regret it, he said. Those trees there, they're going to be eaten up by the cane. 
Your only hope is to anchor deep. Place four different anchors in four different locations. Leave the rope slack and pray for the best. Anchor deep. And once again, even as a mere lake sailor myself, I can vouch for the fact that that's actually very good advice. With the boat anchored deep and the rope slack, uh, the boat ends up being free to move with the wind, the waves, and the swell of the tide without it drifting too far away in the process. If you tie the boat too securely, too tightly, either it's going to get destroyed, ripped apart by the force of wind and water, or it's going to be done in by falling trees and flying debris. To anchor deep, you see, doesn't mean that the storm is not going to be dangerous. But it does mean that the chances are pretty good that you're going to be able to ride out that storm until it passes. Now, as it turned out, Hurricane David never hit Miami. 30 minutes off the coast, the storm decided to veer off to the north. The worst damage my boat suffered, Lucada wrote, were some rope burns inflicted by her overzealous crew. But, he said, the sailor's advice stuck with him. Anchor deep, say a prayer, and hold on. Because the truth is, is that not every hurricane is going to miss you. You see, the fact is, friends, we all face hurricanes, do we not? And not just of the tropical variety. Some hurricanes come in the form of unexpected and sweeping life changes. Others are the result of ongoing and ever-increasing day-to-day struggles. Sometimes, you know how this goes, they hit suddenly, without warning. But other times, maybe more often, they build up gradually until finally you're surrounded by a gale-force wind that threatens to destroy you. Sure, some hurricanes miss you. Sometimes good fortune prevails and, and a storm will blow itself out to sea before it becomes too close or too threatening. But unfortunately, none of us can ever completely avoid these storms because they are simply a part of life as we know it. There's something out there called the Holmes-Rahe scale. And I have actually used this uh, for many, many years now as a tool for counseling, particularly when I get together with couples who want to be married. Basically, the Holmes-Rahe scale is in which a series of life events are given a score, ranging from 1 to 100. And the score indicates the level of stress that these events will bring to a person. The death of a spouse is at the top of the list with 100 points. It's followed closely by divorce, marital separation, a jail term, or uh, the death or illness of a close family member. See, basically the idea here is that the more of these things, these life events that are happening to you, 
perhaps all at once, because that's the way it goes, right? The more severely stress is impacting your life, the more susceptible you are to the dangers that stress brings about. And you know what those are. Illness, psychological trauma, the tendency towards risky behavior, on and on. Stress triggers so much of this. And the more stress you've got, the more triggers there are. But get this. And this is the reason I mentioned Not all of the so-called stressful events on this list are all that severe. And sometimes not even that negative. Please know that I am not being the least bit snarky when I tell you that getting married is pretty close on the top of the list. So is retirement. So is taking out a mortgage, buying a house, buying a car, changing jobs, going on a diet, taking a vacation, Christmas. All of these things cause stress. There is, in fact, a certain level of stress in everything that we do. And eventually, all of these, good, bad, in between, might well add up to the point where we find ourselves facing a hurricane. I remember meeting with one couple some years ago now who were about to get married and um, they weren't at the point where they're going to call off the wedding but it was getting extremely stressful and we started talking about it well come to find out there were all the myriad of wedding plans um, there were a couple of family issues they were dealing with people not getting along all that well they were buying a house the same week of the wedding and closing on that and there were a bunch of other things. And I didn't have the book in front of me, but in my head, I'm saying, well, that's 50 points. That's 60 points. And there were, you know, close to 300 points on this scale. And I said to the bride and groom-to-be, guess what? You're stressed. And they looked at me, no kidding. But that was causing so much anguish. It was a hurricane at a time they were hoping to be so good and so special. You see, the real issue here is not whether we'll have to deal with the storms of life. It's how we're going to deal with them when they come. And that old sailor's advice does seem to apply. Anchor deep. Say a prayer. And hang on. Our text for this morning that Cindy shared with us from Mark's Gospel actually begins at the end of a long day in which Jesus had been teaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And as night began to fall, Jesus suggested to his disciples that it might be time to cross to the other side of this body of water. And so they set out on their boats, taking Jesus with them. And to tell you the truth, I'm not sure I ever quite noticed this before. But very interestingly, Mark makes a point of telling us Jesus came with them just as he was. Just as he was. Which, of course, raises the question, how was Jesus? Actually, I imagine that Jesus was like how any of us would have been at the end of a long day bone-tired to begin with, 
hungry, talked out, kind of feeling grubby, maybe feeling as though not enough had been accomplished, even if clearly the time had come to rest and move on. I mean, this is, after all, one of the big problems with stress, is it not? It literally exhausts you. And it doesn't automatically go away at the end of the day. It's very hard to turn off that stress even at 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock at night. So it's understandable and not all that unusual that Jesus immediately climbed into the boat, went up into the stern, he rested his head on a cushion that was lying there, and he promptly fell asleep. But then, of course, the storm arose. One minute, the water is quietly lapping against the hull of their boats, and the next, they are in the midst of a storm so violent as to threaten their very lives. The boats were taking on water, and they were close to having those boats swamped. And all at once, the situation was moving from serious to crucial as their hearts were beating in terror and they actually had a feeling that maybe this was it. This was the end of their lives. And it's just about this moment, friends, when they look up into the stern of the boat and they realize that Jesus is still there, but he's also still asleep. Now, like I said before, what happened next was understandable. When in the worst of what life can dish out, fear turns into anger. What else could they do in that moment but cry out to their seemingly indifferent master who was up in the stern of this storm-laden sinking ship? The first instinct, really, is to start yelling, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, the interesting thing is, is it, it, all it took was a moment, probably a split second, really, for Jesus to wake up and say simply, peace, be still. Or as the message aptly translates it, he told the wind to pipe down. And he said to the sea, quiet, settle down. And the wind ran out of breath. I love that phrase. The wind ran out of breath. In other words, it died. The sea was dead calm. And all was silent again, save for the sound of water droplets running down the hull of the boat and dripping into the sea. And Mark, he really doesn't say this exactly. But I have to imagine that at first the disciples dared not even speak. So stunned they were at what they had just seen happen. Appropriate that probably after a few seconds of that dead calm, it's only Jesus who speaks. And what he says breaks the silence as surely as the storm broke the night. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, you and I hear this story, and it's all too easy for us to pass judgment, 
to pass judgment on this little band of disciples with faith so small as to accuse Jesus, of all people, of not caring. But the truth, friends, is that Jesus' words are very powerful, and they have a way of rebuking us in the same way that they rebuke the disciples. Because, you see, it's not simply that they panicked in the midst of some crazy storm tossing us about. It's not simply that we panic in the midst of such storms. It's because the truth of our lives is such that we tend to do it over and over and over again. In truth of fact, with every new storm that comes into our lives, because just as soon as one is over, there seems to be another one on the way, so often our first response is to tie ourselves to anything and everything that we think will hold us. To get all that spiritual and and psychological and social rope we can to tie things up. You name it. And, And we will tie ourselves to it. Money. Passion, power, position. We will tie ourselves to other people. We will tie ourselves even to whatever manner of philosophy or pop psychology seems appealing at any particular moment. We bargain that such things are going to hold us safe and secure when life is at its worst. But then when it doesn't work, maybe it'll work for a while, but Eventually, when it stops working, then, in panic, in fear, we lash out. We lay blame upon others. We lay it out in spades at ourselves. And most especially, we tend to blame God. This is what happened with the disciples' friends. And the thing is, I would wager a guess that even after this storm had been silenced, even as they were filled with awe at what Jesus has done, by the time the next storm came along, they were just as likely to be filled with fear and panic as they were before. The the Gospels bear this out time and time again. And so it is, you see, as it was for the disciples so it is for you and me. But there's good news in this text. And the good news is, as the saying goes, that faith is a journey and it's not a destination. Moreover, it's an ongoing journey. It's gradual. It has twists and turns. There are gravel roads here and there. There are potholes, more than one, that have to be contended with. But it's an ongoing, steady journey. And the truth is, is that faith, yours and mine, is built and remade again and again along the way as life unfolds, storms and all. The late sister Macrina Whitaker, she wrote that, quote, one of the great lies of our day is that conversion is instant, like fast food. 
One of the great truths of our day, she goes on to say, is that conversion is ongoing. Conversion is the process in which we are given opportunity upon opportunity to accept the free gift of salvation. A deep and lasting conversion is a process, an unfolding, a slow turning and turning again. That, I think at least, is what Anchoring Deep is all about. It's about tying yourself and learning to trust yourself to something truly solid. To be connected to something that will keep you safe each and every time the uncertainties of this life move you back and forth, up and down, even when panic and fear seems the first and best option. Learning to trust in where you're anchored, you see, is the challenge we face. But may I tell you something here? It's also where life's greatest blessing is to be found. So often, like those fear-filled disciples who live before us, we live untrusting and sometimes even unaware of the anchor points that are securing us. So often we convince ourselves that somehow the storms of life are our fault. And if not ours, then surely it must be God's fault. And does God really care at all? Well, the truth is, is that yes, storms are real. Horrible things happen in this life. But the greatest truth of this life is that in the midst of all those storms, all those horrible things, God is there riding out the storm with us, and God does care. God is there to ride out the storms in our lives, to aid us as we rise and fall with the tide and the swell, as we face those gale force winds with confidence that clearing skies will be and are on the horizon. We need not fear, you see, because anchored deep in our souls is the knowledge that all will be well because of the presence of God in Jesus Christ, the one that even the wind and the sea obey. Now, perhaps today you are feeling storm-tossed. Maybe this morning you have come here having felt besieged, not only with stress and struggle, but also with this lingering sense inside of you of fear and doubt. Because it happens. It happens sometimes more often than we realize until it's there. If that's the case for you, And if it's not happening today, the time will come when it probably will be. Just know that the wild and restless seas that are churning inside of us and all around us do respond to the voice of Christ as quickly and as surely as did the winds and waves of Galilee. Here is the good news. Here is our blessing. Christ comes to us in our need. Christ comes to us 
as the master of the wind and the sea. Christ comes to us as the temperer of our stress, our strain, and our struggle. Christ comes to us as the Lord of our lives. Christ comes to us saying, Peace, be still. So don't be afraid. Don't panic. You're safe in the mercy of the God who sent Jesus to save you. And may our thanks be unto that God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Anchor Deep and Hold On, which was recorded at our June the 20th service of worship at East Church. We are back to holding indoor, in-person services of worship at our church. So if you're looking for a church home or just happen to be visiting New Hampshire this summer and would like to join us for worship, please know we gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Or if you prefer, you can always find us on Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. Either way, consider yourself invited and know that we would love to have you be a part of our extended church family. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.